this is like very serious. You know, you can go out there and you can get killed just for being yourself. So what he's doing is helping people, you know, so that doesn't happen. FFS saves lives. For those of the, that are not familiar with a lot of the transgender issues, there is a safety component to this. There's a safety component, like Ruby was suggesting, that there is a danger or even just a, a fear of danger when you're walking down the street, which afterwards that can be eliminated, both psychologically and, and, and in real time. Welcome to 20 Minute Health Talk. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle, and we have a great cast for you today. Today, our special guests are Dr. James Bradley. He's the vice chair of plastic surgery at Northwell Health. Sabrina Sam, who's a physician assistant here at Northwell Health. And we have Ruby Lacroix, who's a facial feminization patient. And we're talking about facial feminization surgery here. And so, Dr. Bradley, why don't you kick us off and talk to us a little bit about the medical aspects of facial feminization surgery? Yes. So... Facial feminization surgery, in which we can call it FFS, is a process by which a patient transforms her masculine facial features into female facial features and make them more beautiful. It's a surgical process. It's also a process in a trans woman becoming her authentic self. And medically, um, and surgically is what we're focused on here at Northwell Health. I find uh, that for whatever reason, we're in the right time, the location, and with innovation, we've been able to really explode in this arena and really have become one of the predominant centers in really all the world for FFS. Yeah, and we have two centers here at Northwell. We have a cent- Exactly. We have a center in Long Island and a center in New York City. The center in Long Island, David Rosenthal, is in charge of that, and it attracts from all over Queens and all over Long Island. And this center in Manhattan uh, is at 59th Street near Bloomingdale's. Uh, Len Paretsky runs that. We see patients out of that center as well. So there's there's patients all throughout the five boroughs in New York that need this. Uh, so we see patients from all over and focus on the two centers. Awesome. Tell us who is a candidate for uh, the procedure. So any patient who has gender dysphoria, they feel dysphoric because of their facial features, their internal self is not matching their external appearance, and they're uh, being bullied because of this, and they, they've seen a therapist, they've done hormones, but still do not achieve what they want. So we see patients that have, have been involved in multidisciplinary care, and we identify patients that are candidates. So one thing that happens is patients often go on hormone therapies, which is great. They have positive effects, but it affects the soft tissue, the skin, and it they can look better. However, the hormones doesn't really affect the bone. So that's where we focus on some of the hard tissue as well as the soft tissue. So you may have heard this, the saying, well, beauty is only skin deep. Well, in this case, it's actually bone deep. It, it actually is important to modify skeletal features and hard tissue to achieve that feminine beauty that we're after. Yeah. You know, um, Dr. Bradley just mentioned authentic self. So this question is for you, Ruby. Um, Just tell us about what authentic self means to you. Authentic self means to me, um, be yourself. Um, Step out of your comfort zone. Because if you do not do what you want to do, you're always going to be miserable. If you want to, you know, um, how can I say... 
live to people's expectations. Yeah. How has how has this journey affected you? Um, it's been fabulous. <laughs> it has been um, it has been a journey. Um, it has affected every perspective of my life. That's awesome. And Sabrina, you you care for patients before and after surgery. Tell us a little bit about the the psychosocial components of the surgery and the journey. Yeah. So it's so interesting seeing like one of actually one of the main reasons why I love coming to work is getting to see my post-op patients and then having them tell me, hey, you know what? I, I have so much confidence now. This is something that I, I, was, I was scared to go out in the streets and I, you know, and now I can feel like myself and I don't, you know, have to worry anymore. And that that's one of the most uh, rewarding feelings at work. So. Yeah. I'm, I would assume that this is kind of a, a journey, right? There's, I would assume that this is more than uh, one procedure. Tell us some of the procedures that you perform uh, at the center. It is a journey. Uh, the procedures, there are a lot of different procedures and they're tailored to the individual patient. But believe it or not, a lot of patients want to have as much as they can get done at the same time. In other words, all the procedures that are necessary for them. Although the procedures can vary patient to patient, there are some basic ones. And again, we had to study male anatomy to really understand the difference between the male anatomy and female anatomy. And I can go through the list of, of procedures that are often used. The procedures include focusing on the brow. We do a frontal sinus setback, moving back the bone, contouring the lateral brow. We do a hairline lowering and a brow lift. And focus on the jawline, we do something called osseous genioplasty, which is chin narrowing and shortening. We do mandible angle reduction. That's all for the jawline. We also would do a rhinoplasty, which is nasal reshaping. Sometimes we do a lip lift, lip augmentation, sometimes fat grafting to the cheeks. And also a lot of times we do a tracheal shave, which is get rid of the Adam's apple. So you can see all throughout the, the face, there's different procedures. And as I was saying, most people that undergo want to do it all at once so they can transition um, kind of rather than stage it into multiple surgeries. So it is a big surgery. The surgeries can last anywhere from seven to eight hours. And patients usually stay two nights in the hospital for this. Okay, but you can do a lot of it at once, which I guess is great. So the patients don't have to come back and go through a whole surgery again. Yes, uh, I was mentioning the um, innovation, and I think that allows us. We've uh, developed ways to make things more efficient, faster in the operating room, to make things safer in the operating room and more accurate. And I think with all that, we're able to do these multiple procedures and get patients through safely and really get them the result that they want. When you call them, it is pretty. They're pretty excited to get their surgery date. Exactly. Yeah, that's another rewarding feeling for sure. Oh, is hearing yes. they they actually scream and <laughs> and it's like the happiest day of their lives. Like that phone call makes a huge difference in oh, their Lord, life. Oh Lord, I couldn't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like for you and maybe you know some of your friends to be able to see the difference? Yes, the difference. Everybody was shocked. People can't recognize me anymore. It's me, but it's like a better version of me like a more refined, polished. And how does that help your self-esteem and everything else? And I mean, it helps a lot. Before the surgery, I couldn't go up with my hair up when my hair was long. I couldn't go up with my hair up because I was afraid to show my jaw. But then after this, like, I can just, you know, I got short hair now, you see? Yeah, yeah. Your authentic self. Yes. You know, I'm pretty comfortable. That's great. 
things to get around EC. So if they seen, oh, have you seen Ruby? She looks good. You know, you should try the doctor. And that's how word gets around. Yeah. So have you personally referred people? And, and I and- didn't have to do it. People that have me as a friend have actually went to him and they got surgery. Yeah, so people just saw mm-hmm. the results on you and said, yeah. give Beautiful. me his number. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and how have you seen your friends, um, you know, that have, have taken this journey with you? How have you seen them flourish? Well, um, yeah, I have. I, I can say it's a pretty drastic change. You're out here saving lives, Dr. Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting, that's an actually really interesting point you just made because most people would think plastic surgeon, not a lifesaver. But tell us why you think a plastic surgeon like Dr. Bradley and Sabrina and the center help save lives. I mean, some of us are not the most passable. I mean, this is like very serious. You know, you can go out there, you can get killed just for being yourself. So... What he's doing is helping people, you know, so that doesn't happen. Um, A lot of us don't feel comfortable with, you know, how we look, you know, gender dysmorphia. And it's it's pretty tough on the confidence, but, um, you know, it helps a lot. Surgery helps a lot, you know, from self-harm and from someone attacking you and killing you because, you know, you're expressing yourself. Yeah, for those of those that are not familiar with a lot of the transgender issues, there is a safety component to this. There's a safety component, like Ruby was suggesting, that there is a danger or even just a, a fear of danger when you're walking down the street and you ha- walking by someone or past someone that you don't know what they're thinking, what they're doing. That that's it. That fear may be imagined or real, but it's but it, there is a true safety issue which. Afterwards, that can be eliminated, both psychologically and and, and in real time. I I see a lot of our patients build each other up, too. You know, we'll have a patient come in and say, hey, you know, you did my friend. She looks amazing. I want to look just like her. You know, and that that's so that is just so extreme. And it it makes me so happy to hear that that's that they're telling each other that, you know, they're building trust confidence. They're making them feel like live the authentic life. You know, they're helping each other with that. So. Do you think, Dr. Bradley, that that the, the center and what you guys are doing helps uh, break down discrimination and, and, you know, ignorant thoughts and beliefs? I would hope so. I, I do think it creates awareness. And I'm, I'm learning every day from, from this process. Uh, I just saw a movie called No Ordinary Man, which is about a, a jazz musician years ago, Billy Tipton, and a trans man but hit it his entire life until after 1980s it came out. But it was just an interesting look at what had to be done then and what can be done now. So Ruby is mentioning about passing. Well, that's something, but it's also wanting to live your authentic life, however that is, even if people understand that you're trans, but to be yourself is what the goal really is, not just to be like other people. So I think there's, I'm learning a lot and I think we we're trying to create awareness in our, in, in the centers you mentioned at Northwell in Long Island and in the city, there's multidisciplinary. We have a psychologist, we have a social worker, we have other disciplines that are experts in this because it's not just, I mean, today we're talking about facial feminization surgery. We're talking about those components, but there's a lot to this field and Northwell is trying to embrace those and bring in the experts to help these patients.
Dr. Bradley, just tell me about how you got involved uh, in, in this. Well, most of my career was out in, at UCLA, out in California. My focus was on craniofacial surgery and cosmetic surgery. And then this was something that was a good marriage between the two. So I still do craniofacial surgery, facial reconstruction. But this allowed me to both do facial reshaping and to, to utilize both my skills. So I got involved because I think in New York, there is a need for this. Uh, there's, there's patients that, that come to us that have been like this for years that really want to have a, a, a true transformation. And there's a younger generation. It's, it's really fascinating how they welcome the change and are amenable to it. So I got involved with the teams here and I was able to use my skills and we actually borrowed a lot of our techniques from a surgeon in San Francisco back in the eighties that developed them, Doug Oosterhout. But we've used our more sophisticated technology now with virtual planning, with custom guides, with custom plates to do that. And we here at North Hill, we have a really good research team. So we wanted not just to have good results, but to actually show them and demonstrate that they were, they were um, the patients were achieving the goals that they wanted to achieve. Yeah, I think you just hit on a really, really important aspect because I would assume there's a lot of people on the fence that are there's a fear factor involved. But when you talk about how much technology has improved over the years and you talk about an, uh, artificial intelligence and you're able to basically show a patient, here's what we can achieve. And you could do that. Tell us a little bit about the the the, the technology that you kind of just alluded to in the artificial intelligence. Yeah, so with the innovation with FFS, um, it's it's really transcended how we're doing the surgery, how fast we're doing it, and how consistently we do it. We now do up to four major cases a week doing this here. We've actually studied this, and our first study was was to show, hey, is this is this worthwhile doing virtual planning, doing these cutting guides? And we did we did cadaver studies, we did studies in patients, and showed that yes, it's more efficient, less time in the OR, it's it's uh, more accurate. So we looked at preoperative CAT scan versus postoperative and doing doing our method, it's, it's faster, it's uh, more accurate and it's safer. So then we wanted to prove, because we're dealing with subtleties like beauty, femininity, we want to prove that it actually, okay, patients are misgendered beforehand, what happens afterwards? So we used artificial intelligence. We used um, programs that are available that were trained over millions and millions of images. We looked at the pre-op images and found that half of those patients were misgendered. And when we looked at our post-op images, we found those images were the same as cis female. In other words, they were all gendered as female, which is the goal. The goal is, is for those, those patients to be then gendered correctly. So they want to be gendered correctly. And, and we found through the use of artificial intelligence, they were. Now that's artificial intelligence. So what about real people? What about in public. So we furthered that and did a crowd sourcing experiment, which then proved, yes, not only was the computer gendering correctly, but also a large number of people when looking at these images pre and post were then gendering correctly. It was remarkably similar, preoperatively 50% misgendering, postoperatively almost none, 98% were gendered correctly. So it was very interesting to see not just that we're doing these and getting good results, but actually we were proving it. 
Right. And, and also, do you also use this type of technology to show people like for before and after, like, this is what you can look like. This is what we expect you to look like. We, we do some of that with morphing. So we'll take patients, especially when we deal with rhinoplasty, there's a lot of subtleties there, how the shape is going to be, what they pre prefer because people have different preferences. So we use that with them in the office and kind of go over that to determine like something that we both agree on and that is, is feasible in the operating room. So we do use the technology um, preoperatively to, and we use the, uh, the technology interoperatively to give us the final result. Ruby, how did you find Dr. Bradley? Just like you said, um, craniofacial and maxillofacial goes together with FFS. Um, I was looking to that. I was like, well, if I could find someone in Long Island that can, you know, perform those kind of surgeries, maybe he can, you know, do a little something, you know. That's when I came across Dr. Bradley, and it was, like, perfect because he's, like, an expert in his craft, you know, and... I went from that, said, oh, my God, thank God, I don't have to fly anywhere else and I can stay home. <laughs> and he went from there. Is that the case, Dr. Bradley? People really feel like they have to go far away or maybe to Europe to get care like this? I think in the past it was. They would go to Argentina. They would go to Europe. Uh, but now it's changing. It's evolving and it's different. I think we offer uh, uh, they're recognizing patients are recognizing our product at Northwell is as good or superior to top that. Top of the top. Yes, and that uh, they don't have to go anywhere. We, we have a lot of New York regional patients, but we also have patients coming from all over the United States too. But uh, I think for New York region patients, there's there's great care here. And what is norm the normal recovery time for a patient who goes through these procedures? Sabrina? So uh, typically it takes about six to eight weeks for a majority of the swelling to come down, all that bruising, but it takes about six to 12 months for the final results, really. And, and what's it like when you're transitioning during that time? What was it like for you to have to, you know, you, it's not just you go in and it's a magic bullet, but it's, it takes some time. For me, it was the perfect timing when the pandemic started. So I had a chance to heal Right. You know, and cook up underneath the, <laughs> the bandages, yeah. Sure. and But I guess, Sabrina, this is something that you explain to the patients, too. Yes, exactly. Preoperatively, we, you know, when we see them, uh, their first consultation, and then, because, you know, of course, they're curious. A lot of them have to take off from work and school, and we have to, you know, figure out a way to accommodate that. Um, so we'll tell them at their consultation at pre-op. And um, obviously tell them throughout their post-op experience as well, because, of course, it's like a waiting game for them, right? We need to remind them. We're almost out of time here on 20 Minute Health Talk, but we always like to end on a positive note. So I'm going to go around the table and I'll start with you, Rudy, Ruby, because you're smiling. But just tell me what gives you hope? What gives you optimism going forward? For people to be more gentle, to be more gentle, nicer to trans people. We are human, too. We feel and we hurt. I just uh, I believe just having our patients, you know, stick together and always support each other and create that that um, that group that they, you know, that they have there. Community. Yeah. And Dr. Bradley, what gives you hope and in, in optimism going forward? I think listening to patients like Ruby and really um, understanding their energy and motivation and then seeing them when they come back afterwards, just the effect it has on their personality and their sometimes almost glowing and that's I guess what energizes us because a lot of times Sabrina and I were, we're in long cases we do long office hours but that's what keeps us going is, is really patients like Ruby that is so thank awesome. you so much 
Well, Dr. Bradley, Ruby, Sabrina, thank you so much for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. You want to say one more thing? Go ahead. FFS saves lives. FFS saves lives. Yes. All right. Well, again, Dr. Bradley, Ruby, Sabrina, thank you so much for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. And for you, the listener, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great week and stay safe. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.